I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning, lunatics. It's a Wednesday edition of Morning Java. Noah Hiles here in Pittsburgh. Alex Stump on the road in the south side of Chicago. And as always, this episode of Morning Java is brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Market and Cafe. Alex, what is there to say that hasn't already been said about these guys? They do it all well. Food, drink, gas, everything. And the best part about them, with the app, you don't even have to get out of your car, which can be a little bit of a pain now with the pandemic. You order your food on the app, they bring it right back out to you. Uh, Quick delivery, quick process, and still the great result, you get your get-go food. Gotta love that, right? You know what, you could get it for cash considerations. Ooh, cash consider. Is this you trying to be the transition king here? This is me trying to be Noah Hiles right now. Okay, well, you know, there's only enough room for one Noah Hiles, and I even think that that's too many. But the Pittsburgh Pirates, what Alex was trying to refer to, uh, have been tied to numerous trade rumors as the trade deadline looms in Major League Baseball. It's on August 31st, which is uh, Monday, and it'll end at 4 p.m. And there haven't been many rumors. Not a lot of deals have been done yet. But of the rumors that are currently out there, the Pirates are involved, connected with multiple players to multiple teams. Uh, The one deal being Ben Charrington's former employer, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, They're rumored to have interest in Trevor Williams and Chad Cool. And then the other rumor being Richard Rodriguez, uh, the Padres, the San Diego Padres, have some uh, interest in him. Alex, first things first, what are your initial thoughts on uh, both of these rumors? I mean, the Blue Jays won, looking besides, you know, the fact that it's Trevor Williams and Chad Cool it would make sense that Ben Charrington would, you know, try to connect with the Blue Jays because he and Steve Sanders know that system better than anyone else in the league outside of current Blue Jays executives. So the way that trades are set up is you can only trade guys who are on the 60-man uh, player pool unless they're a player to be named later. And teams are really gun-shy to get players to be named later because they haven't seen them in a year. Yeah. And, you know, Charrington hasn't seen these guys in a year either, but he knew how they were developing. He knows that more than anyone else. So I think it would make sense why those two teams would come together. I mean, they have a good relationship. We almost had the Pittsburgh Blue Jays, remember? Yeah. Uh, as for the fact that it's Trevor Williams and Chad Cool, I'm not really surprised that Trevor Williams is getting some attention. I mean, he's the type of guy that you can just slot in, you know, somewhere in that 3-4 spot for just about any major league rotation. Uh, the stuff has looked good this year. This has been – outside of 2018 this has probably been his second best body of work so far this season it's been a, it's a good very small sample size yeah it's a very small sample size but you know the way it works there the curveball people are probably tired of me talking about it but it, it's another layer to add to his trade value so i can see why teams are interested in them chad cool is a bit surprising i'm late, less likely to believe that he's going to get dealt because I mean, there's obvious appeal to Chad Cole. If you look at just like pure peripheral standpoint, uh, back in 2018, his best comp 
was 2017 Garrett Cole. So, and we know what happened to 2018 Garrett Cole. So if you do it the same way, we're seeing kind of the same, Pirates do it the same way with him. He's turned in some good starts. You know, the breaking stuff has looked good. The velocity has come back. He looks fully recovered from Tommy John surgery. That last start kind of proved that. I can't help but feel like the Blue Jays are kind of looking for a buy low on him, though. And I don't think you can sell low on Chad Cole at this moment. Do you think they go together as a package deal where uh, – That would take a lot. That's, that's what I'm thinking is – and like what you said, I lo- I, I'm hesitant to – if I'm Ben Sherrington, I'm hesitant to make any kind of deal right now just because of the, the short season and everything that's gone along with it. Uh, you're one of the only teams that is a clear seller right now. And it's your first year. Maybe just be very conservative with this, especially when you're trading away starting pitchers. If it's bullpen guys, that's one thing. But trading away your starting rotation can be difficult. However, like you said, Alex, this guy knows every prospect pretty much in their system. And he's seen them develop uh, their, throughout their entire careers and everything. So that's exciting where he, he definitely has players in mind. He knows what a Trevor Williams is worth. He knows what a Chad Cool is worth. He knows what both of them combined. If, if the Blue Jays really wanted to go all in and try to make a playoff run, I mean, you could add Trevor Williams to a starting rotation and to have Chad Cool as your sixth guy where you could start and maybe do a piggyback with him or just have him as a middle reliever and then maybe train him up to be a starter next year in 2021. I mean, both of those guys have some years on their deals. That's, that's asking a lot. And the Blue Jays, I mean, they have prospects to give. They're a very young team as it is, and they have a deep farm system. It's an intriguing idea that they would have interest in two starting pitchers because the Pirates can really be in the driver's seat for that deal. Quickly on the Rich Rod deal as we wrap up this first part, um, I, I would not – I he's one of the guys where it really would make sense to trade him. I don't know where his value is going to be any higher – uh, after having a really rough year in 2019, it looks like we got the 2018 Rich Rod back. Um, he gets a save on Sunday, so it shows you could put him in in the ninth inning. He can do well. He's come in with runners on base. He's come in to start the eighth inning. He's faced hard parts of the order. He's really been the Pirates' most consistent pitcher, bullpen or starter this year. Um, and he's someone that teams like the Padres or other teams that are looking to make a playoff run, everyone's looking to add bullpen depth. I think he's the guy. Um, that's most likely and probably most valuable until Kella proves that he can throw without getting hurt uh, on the trade block. Oh, oh Richard's more valuable than Kella this year because yeah. of the three extra years of control. And especially this year, he's extremely cheap. He's still free arbitration for this year. And so many teams are going to be budget conscious this year. So here's a guy who can really improve your bullpen for 2020. You have years of control with him on top of that. And he's not going to you know, cost a lot until you get fans back in the stands. That's like the perfect, you know, scenario of acquiring a relief pitcher this trade deadline. That's not going to lead to like a top prospect, but San Diego has as stacked a farm system as any team in baseball. And that's a team that looks good. And A.J. Preller is a general manager who needs to get into the playoffs or he's probably going to lose his job. So you got a desperate GM, you got a stack farm system, you got a team that's looking for relief. It, it looks, I'm not saying this deal is going to happen, but I see all the ingredients of this deal working. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Alex, we talked about guys the Pirates are going to trade away, potentially. We don't know if they're going to make any moves, if anyone's going to move. Um, But if they do make moves, if they do deal current MLB players on their active roster, the expectation would be that they would get prospects back in return. And after looking through the Pirates' current farm system, both between the guys that are training right now in Altoona and guys that are not in action this year due to the pandemic, there's a lot of additions that could be made to their minor league uh, farm system. Um, you asked me this as we were kind of mapping things out, and I think it's a really good question. What is the area of the farm system that you think, you think needs added to the most? What position, what group uh, would you like to see beefed up this trade deadline if possible? Well, let's get the obvious one out of the way. Catcher. Yes. As, Jacob Stallings has done – He's been everything the parts could have ever hoped for this year. You know, he's a guy who's gotten on base. He's done a fantastic job defensively. Everything they could have hoped from Jacob Stallings this year, he's done. He isn't a long-term solution, though. Like, here's a guy who, you know, best-case scenario, is going to be starting for a couple of years. So you need to find someone down the line right there. And, you know, it's no guarantee the parts are going to get the number one draft pick in this draft, either because, you know, they can get better, they've just swept the series, and um, there's no guarantee that it won't be like a lottery system or mm-hmm. something, so who knows in that regard. But it's a pretty thin draft as far as, like, top-tier catching prospects go in 2021. So, really, it's looking more and more that the only way the Pirates are going to find that catcher in the future is to acquire one through a trade or as an international free agent. And the international free agent, that's going to take a long time, too. So trade is really the only viable option outside of free agency. There's no one in the system. Teams are really, you know, hanging on to them. But, you know, Blue Jays have a couple guys, you know, and they already have a, a good catcher in Jensen. The Padres have a couple guys. You know, there are, there are catchers to be had. They're going to cost a lot to give up, though. Uh, just to add something else, though, left-handed pitching. It's thin. I mean, you can say pitching in general, but throw with the left hand for a couple of them. I, I, off the top of my head, can't think of anyone, any left-handed pitcher in this system where it's like, yeah, that's a really good prospect right there. Like, it's probably the closest would be like a Blake Wyman type of deal. Yeah, I mean, to, to add on to your point about the catching, in their top 30 prospects listed on MLB Pipeline, zero of them are catchers, zero. And this has, been, this has been something that's not new with the Pirates. They really haven't developed many catchers in general. I mean, that's been a position of weakness for them. 
even when they were having success, they had one good catcher, you know, they had good catchers then, but those were guys they acquired, like Alex said, in trades, Russell Martin, Francisco Cervelli, those guys, they went out and got those players. They have not developed a lot of catchers recently, um, not even under the Huntington administration. So it's, it's, a big challenge with the catcher, I'd agree. I mean, you can never have enough pitching prospects. That's nice. And what worries me about the pitching, to go further into it, they have some talented pitchers in the minors, but they're all super young. They're all 19, 20, 21 years old. They're not going to be up anytime soon. And if you're dealing away guys like Trevor Williams and Chad Cool, forget being competitive this year, they're going to need starting pitchers to fill out the 2021 Major League roster. And you, you need something. You need some kind of young talent ready to go I mean and I know that there's a whole offseason to worry about that kind of stuff and this and that and you can develop guys like James Marvel and everything but I don't know I would like to just see more depth added on to the almost ready category of major league pitching not going the whole Garrett Cole route where you're trading for you know players like Moran and Musgrove who had been in the major leagues but barely but trade for triple a guys maybe uh, no. In addition to, no, you don't like that? You want super, no, super No, I don't young. like – no, I get the best pitcher available. I really do okay. not care about the age. Like Brendan Malone, he's got to be a while, but here is a guy who is basically just gave the parts another first-round draft pick. Fair. Because of that. Okay. And, and the outfield prospects are also kind of thin. Uh, I mean, you have, you have some names like Oliva and Swaggerty and even Cal Mitchell, who's really young. He's been kind of exciting in the, in the minor leagues. Um, but you look at what outfield, there's such an abundance of depth in the, in the infield. You're going to see guys move to the outfield. That's just the reality of it. You've already seen it with Cole Tucker. Um, we've talked about it for years now between you and I about the possibility of O'Neill Cruz maybe move, being moved out there one day, or there's other guys. I mean, there, there's so much talent that they have at shortstop at second base in the minor leagues. And with guys already up here, like Kevin Newman, um, Soon, they're going to have, hopefully soon, which is what we're uh, going to talk about on other programming with a third baseman coming up here. Um, they have minor league, or they have young talent in the infield. They're going to move that to the outfield. But like I said at the start, they couldn't hurt to add depth anywhere in their farm system. All right, Alex, let's step away from the Pirates. Let's just talk some baseball, buddy. Uh, of, of the major baseball headlines right now, I think the most notable story is Albert Pujols moving debatably, debatably up to number two all time on the RBI list, depending on how you value your stats or where you get your stats from. Uh, but Albert Pujols, one of the best right-handed hitters of all time for the Angels, former St. Louis Cardinal, gets uh, second place passes Alex Rodriguez on the all-time list. Um, and this is an interesting moment in baseball history where if it's any other statistical category, if a guy's moving to second place in home runs or, or hits or stolen bases or wins or things like that, I feel like this gets a lot more attention. But with the new wave of baseball and with new analytics and new metrics to evaluate progress, um, RBI runs batted in. Have, that's like a number that's really kind of been pushed to the side. Um, Alex, how big of a deal is this that Pujols moves to two or maybe three if you believe the stats about Babe Ruth back then before they really started yeah. counting RBIs? Well, first of all, RBIs became an official stat in 1920, so that's that's that. Any, sorry, Babe. Uh, sorry, Babe. As for Albert, I 
I'm obviously the analytics guy. I'm obviously the new wave of thinking. I don't totally discredit RBIs. There, there's a place for them. But I do take an issue where if you really only looked at how many runs Albert Pujols drove in, you would see a fairly consistent hitter throughout his career. Whatever, it's very clear, you know, that first 10 years, 10 or so years, whenever he was with St. Louis, he was one of the best right-handed his- hitters in the history of the game. One of the best 10-year stretches any right-hander has ever had. 300, 3,100, 10 straight years. Yeah. And these last eight or nine for the Angels, he's been mostly mediocre the entire time. Yeah. But since he's batting behind Mike Trout and gets to drive him home all the time, he still was getting, you know, 90, 100 RBIs. And that's that's my issue with the stat. I mean, here's a guy who would hit like 240, have a 300 OBP, 450, like a 100 OPS plus average hitter, can't feel, can't do anything. But if you go by RBIs, now that's an off, that's a run creator. That's a run producer. So it's it's a mixed bag for me. Like he passed up Alex Rodriguez, someone who, even though he kind of teetered off at the end with the Yankees, Throughout almost all of his career, that guy was a run producer. That guy was, you know, the heart and soul of an offense where Albert hasn't been that for his entire time with the Angels. Yeah, but I mean, I think that when you think of Alec, or Albert Pujols' career, you think of the Cardinals and all the Angels stuff, it's just, it's, it's like a, you know, I mean, I, that's where his career went to, went to end. He retired to California, basically. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, actually, seeing him break all these records and move higher and higher on the chain in an Angels uniform when, like I said, I mean, this guy, he won MVPs, he won batting titles, he won World Series uh, as a member of the Cardinals. And it, 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 I kind of wish he would be doing this there. It would feel a little bit more right. But your point about him being on a team that had runners on base, I mean, he was on a good Cardinals team that had a lot of guys that were on base every time he came to the plate. And he's playing, like you said, uh, batting behind Mike Trout. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. But, I mean, hey, that's, that's part of the game. You know, Pete Rose has scored a lot of runs. Well, look who was in that lineup. You know, Ricky Henderson uh, got on base a lot and was able to steal bases. But you look around the lineup and they had to, you know, maybe walk someone or do something. I mean, it, base, your numbers are not necessarily just a product of you. And that's not just in baseball, but every sport. Your, your, your numbers are a product of players that are around you. And I, I think the RBI thing, it is notable. It's not as notable, like I said, if this was happening in 1990, it would be a much bigger story. And I get that RBIs, uh, out of all the stats that you can evaluate a player with, it's not necessarily as big as it used to be. But I still think it's notable anytime you do over 2,000, do something over 2,000 times and it results as something good for your team, that deserves recognition. Albert Pools, uh, for my bunny has been probably the best player in baseball since Barry Bonds retired. And before Mike Trout came along, he kind of, you know, met the middle of that gap there. You could say Miggy was a really good hitter or, you know, A-Rod or whoever, but no, I I think Albert Pujols, he was like the Kobe Bryant where there was the Michael Jordan. Then there was a LeBron James. You need that guy in the middle. Albert Pujols was that guy. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see it. You know, me personally, I put more stock and I'm more excited for him to catch Willie Mays in home runs. I think he's yeah. one away from catching Mays. I put more stock for that completely arbitrary 660 home runs, you know, that, you know, benchmark more than like 2,000 RBIs, even though, 
I think more people are past Maze at this point because it's it's Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, and A Rod. Griffey. That sounds about right. What? Griffey. I don't think Griffey got to six sixty. Okay. And I know Tommy did, and I know Tommy got to like six, whatever. Okay. But yeah, that's that's more number I look at because even though you know the ball is juice, whatever, it was a career where. those home runs came before the deuce ball. What he did in St. Louis is how I am going to remember Albert Pujols. And I think he's going to be the ultimate case of this generation of someone who is unquestionably, no no way to deny it, a Hall of Famer, first ballot, should flirt with that 100% mark. Actually, he should just get that 100%. Yeah, there's no question about it. Yeah, and shame on anyone who doesn't vote for him. Um, But I... I'm going to remember him more as the hitter who was absolutely dominating pitching for a decade and then had a very long decline, drawn out decline where, you know, he kept passing all these milestones or whatever, but, you know, it kind of lost its luster. I don't always remember Albert Pujols as a guy who whenever you saw him come up against Joe Bimel, it's like, well, there's three runs. Uh, the Pirate – I mean, if you want a good laugh, go on Baseball Reference and look at his career splits against the Pirates. It's, it's around – 104, I think it was. He had like a 1.4 slugging percentage against him. Like it's, it's insane. I mean, he, he's played like a little bit – I think he's played like 180 games against them. And he – I mean, his, his numbers are like an MVP season. It, it's like 350, uh, an OPS of like 1,100, like 35 home runs. It's awesome. Uh, final question on the subject and the show, Alex. Um, would you rather – what's more impressive to you, a player finishing top 10 all-time in home runs or top two in runs batted in? Home runs because runs are going to come along with it. And that's yeah. more product of you rather than people around you in the lineup. Sound off in the comments, everyone watching. What, what do you think is more important or more impressive, top, top two in runs batted in or uh, top 10 in home runs? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week here on Java. Thank <laughs> you.